It's time to get up and get your day started. Morant. Oh! A jawbreaker! It's Sports 56 Mornings with Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. The first hour of Sports 56 Mornings is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Now, here are your hosts, Greg and Eli. Happy Hump Day, everybody. Welcome in. Jam-packed Wednesday edition of Sports 56 Mornings. Hope your Tuesday was fine, and hope your Wednesday will be even better. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, Zach Boyd with you from the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, where family and fun come together. Their overstock sale continues at 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. The first hour of the program also brought to you by our friends at East Memphis Ace Hardware. It's the officially the Wednesday, November 15th, 2023 edition. So we are halfway through the month of November. Time is flying by. Currently, weather-wise, uh, looks like a pretty good start to your day. 57 degrees, cloudy skies. We'll have a mixture of clouds and sunshine today with a high of about 68, similar to yesterday. Maybe a little cooler than tonight. Partly cloudy skies. Again, a chance of rain, about a 40% chance tonight. Occasional showers later in the evening, and then a low of about 50 degrees. On the show today, as I mentioned, jam-packed. We will talk some Grizzlies, some college football. The latest college football playoff rankings came out. Some college basketball action from last night. We'll be joined by Richard Mulrooney at 725, the University of Memphis men's soccer coach. They're getting set for their NCAA tournament opener tomorrow. Andy Borman, Memphis Tigers assistant basketball coach at 805. At 825, Jerry Palm from CBS Sports. And then DeMichael Cole at 905 to talk some Grizzlies. Five favorite things today. Your five favorite college or pro athletes born in the Memphis metropolitan area. Get your list together and hit us up with your lists via the Sports 56 listener line. You can text in at 901-360-8255. Hit us up on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, on our website, sportsmemphis.com. Get your lists in. We'll talk about that at about 9.30. Good morning. Good morning. I know you went down to Oxford last night. Ole Miss slipping by Detroit Mercy. Oh, mercy. They get the win 70 to 69. Uh, so while you were busy watching the Rebels, we were all getting ready to watch the Grizzlies last night, and it started out so poorly. And then the early injury to Marcus Smart. I was talking to Zach. Zach, you said once that Marcus Smart injury happened, that was it. Time to go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. He was your only chance if he was going to win that game. Pulled the plug on the Grizzlies early. Smart move. Yeah. It was. Um... I was listening to the game. I listened to the first half of the game on my way back from Oxford. And, um, yeah, it wasn't pretty. Um, so once I got home, there was no reason to uh, to to watch the rest of it. Um, you could see where <laughs> where that one was headed, and it was not good. Um, that's Well, tell me if you've maybe, ever heard something like this. I, I can't imagine these type of numbers, like, ever. The starting five for the Grizzlies. Now, albeit, Marcus Smart went out. He only played eight minutes. Jacob Gilliard's been starting, although Jacob Gilliard's actually been decent. Jaron Jackson Jr. went three of 16 from the field, had eight points. The starters for the Grizzlies scored 35 total points. Have you ever seen that? An NBA starting five that totaled 35 points or less? The bench actually scored 72 points. They more than doubled the starting five output. The um, 
Jaron Jackson Jr. to go one of ten from two point range um, is is uh, is something. <laughs> I don't know if it was the getting rejected by Anthony Davis early on that got whatever, but for him to go one of ten from two point range uh, would seem virtually impossible. Um, I mean, when you got a guy going three for sixteen, another four for sixteen, a six for seventeen. Um, and then you got the other team who shoots nearly 63% from three point range. Um, tough to win basketball games that way. It's real, real tough. Uh, it's a, it's a tough little formula to put together and come out with a win when you're out rebounded by 21. Um, those, those usually spell losses. Yeah, I think most people hit the sack early like Zach did. You mentioned the three-point shooting for the Lakers, 22 of 35. Wow. D'Angelo Russell led the way with 24. Anthony Davis, 19 and 11. LeBron James did play 16 points, nine rebounds, six assists. They didn't have to play big minutes. James played only 23 minutes. Davis and Russell played 27. So for the Grizzlies, the bright spot was Santi Aldama off the bench. He had 24 points. He was 9 of 15 from the field. He was 3 of 8 from 3. And he got pushed down by Anthony Davis. There was a sequence where there were five technical fouls called. I'm not sure if that was all in the one sequence, but there were five tees called in this game. It's all in the one sequence. Yeah, so I watched, uh, the because I didn't see it, but I watched it this morning on ESPN. And Santi's just trying to get out of bounds to put the ball back in play after a Lakers bucket. Davis shoves him to the ground. I mean, I think you could have tossed Davis. You really could have. And it escalated from there. Desmond Bain got in the middle. He got pushed by D'Angelo Russell. So they were adding an injury to insult. Uh, as we talked about, Marcus Smart goes out. So now you got to wonder about his status with an ankle. Luke Kennard, uh, he got hurt. So I don't know what this is. Do you know what the injury was to Kennard? Left knee soreness. Left knee soreness. Six minutes for Luke Kennard. David Roddy, 17 off the bench. Tillman came back, went six to seven from the field, and hit all three of his threes for some reason. I don't, I don't know. I guess the rest helped him out. He had 15 points, but come on. I mean, this is mop up time. This is against some backups. They got punked by the Lakers again, and now the Grizzlies, after losing 134 to 107, fall to two and nine. They return home today. They don't play again until Saturday when they play in San Antonio. But again, things. Not looking good. Is It's a different guy getting hurt seemingly every game. And you have no chance when Jaron Jackson Jr. puts up that type of game. You just don't have a chance. Smart's out. As I've said, Jackson and Bain have to be really, really special. And Smart's got to be really good too. And then the bench has to come through. The bench came through in this game, but the starters did not. Yeah, I mean, Jaron, that's like you just – him to be three for 16 in a game just should never happen. I mean, you're too big, too athletic um, to ever go three for 16. And you know how many free throws he shot? Uh, he shot none. None. He, uh, Anthony Davis um, completely dominated him. Uh, they shoot 53 threes, which is, I mean, I get it. I mean, you're down big early, like you're firing stuff up there, I guess, hoping for, but 53 threes is an awful lot of three-pointers. That's a lot. To, to shoot at a game. Um, I know you guys, they want to shoot a lot of threes. Um, but my, oh, my. Um, maybe try and see if you can go to the basket once in a while. It was, um, yeah, it was just, a, that's just a brutal, I mean, it was, it was never a game. I mean, it really was, mm-hmm. it's double digits after the first quarter. It's 20 plus after two. 
Um, they were never really in the game. And um, I guess the good news, they're only like two and a half games out of the play. <laughs> You're being optimistic. There's a, uh, a smart misses sometimes. There's now. a long way to go. If if smarts out for a while, man, it's um, it, it, God bless them trying to figure out a rotation, um, at those guard positions. I, I just don't know where. Like I don't know what you're doing right now. If 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 smart is out for a while, can they get an injury exception? I don't think so. I don't think they can. And I don't know how long he's going to be out. So I don't think it's one of those. All- you got Brandon Clark. Yeah. You got Steven Adams. You'd have Marcus Smart. What's it? Is it three guys or is it four that have to I be out? It's three guys. Is it three? You yeah, but how a- long does that guy have to be hurt? That is it any length of time? Once they miss, I think it's three games or something like that. Three oh, okay. Games. That's yeah. quick. I, I thought it would be at least, uh, you know, five to 10 games that he would have to miss. But. We we talked about this team treading. Especially if walk. Kennard is out too. <laughs> like, That's who's, another one. Who are you putting in there? Who's playing? Who is starting? <laughs> like, well, Gill- Gilliard's been starting, and he's actually been okay. I mean, he he went three for five from three. I don't know what his percentage from three is, but it's pretty good. The guy's done an okay job. Not a great game for Biombo going up against Anthony Davis, but he did have eight rebounds and four assists and two blocks. He did not score, though. He's 0 for 5. But when we start to depend on, or they start to depend on Bismack Biombo to be a scorer, then uh, it's really uh, a lot of trouble there. But you're talking about a team that we were hoping could tread water until Ja comes back. The way it's going right now, you're looking at a team that may go 5-20. and 20, And if they're 5-20... and 20, they're done. It's over, even when Jock comes back. And, of course, there's the assumption that, that people believe Jock comes back, he plays in every game for 57 games, and they go 57-0. and 0. So there is a long road to hoe, and I don't know if they can, they can get there, even into a play-in situation. It's still early, I understand. They're only 11 games into the season. But when these guys keep dropping like flies, it, it's tough just to see – Light at the end of the tunnel. In the meantime, at least in that game, while it was chippy, there was no choking going on. Draymond Green, if you missed it last night, Golden State, Minnesota. This is a good Minnesota team. Minnesota wins in San Francisco, 104-101. And Draymond Green, I don't even know what caused it. I just know the end result. Draymond Green was choking out Rudy Gobert, and he's going to face a multiple-game suspension. Yeah, he came from the uh, kind of came from the top rope. Um, <laughs> it was Clay Thompson. Well, you have to if you're going up against Gobert. Clay Thompson and Jaden McDaniels got tangled up, and they were going at it. And Gobert was coming in at semen, and what the refs ruled was he was trying to separate and be a peacemaker. And then Draymond just comes flying from behind and grabs him in a headlock and just drags him out of there. Wouldn't let go. <laughs> Uh, it was, it was, it, I mean, they, and there weren't, there, you know, they were like, there hadn't been a point scored in the game. I don't know how a fight can happen where three guys get ejected before a single point's been scored in a game. Like, that is, it's like a hockey, it's all the hockey ones where as soon as they drop the puck, there's just two guys, and right? They're, they're just ready to go, like, all right, we're gonna do this right now. But, like, I don't know, like, it was just crazy. Like, no points in the game, and three guys were already ejected. Draymond is something else. Of course, no Steph Curry. He's out right now for Golden State. Again, the Warriors lose at home 104-101. There was the much-anticipated Oklahoma City-San Antonio game because of the bigs, Wembenyama and Holmgren. 
And Oklahoma City got the better of San Antonio, 123-87. to And what we saw in that game is two bigs that struggled for the most part, pretty much a push, but Oklahoma City has much better talent overall than San Antonio has, and, and therefore they, they ran away with the game. Anytime you got SGA, you're in pretty good shape. But, you know, they did some good things, but struggled with their shooting, both Wembenyama and Holmgren in their first you know big matchup, that marquee matchup that everybody was looking forward to. Yeah, combined seven of 25. One of eight from three between the two of them. Um, neither one of them got into double digits scoring. Um, not, a, not a good night for the two the two. Tall boys. No, it was not. Uh, New Orleans beat Dallas 131 to 110. Dallas has been playing good ball, but New Orleans, healthy. If they can stay healthy, they are a threat. And then they go out and in the draft, they get Jordan Hawkins from UConn. And that guy has been fantastic. Off the bench, 25 points. He's shooting the threes like they're going out of style. He's been absolutely terrific. So a great win for New Orleans over a Dallas team again that was right there at the top. And if Zion can stay healthy and all those guys, that's a lot of talent for Willie Green in New Orleans. Yeah, they're um, they're they're having their issues, but they've got talent, and you know they're trying to figure things out with Zion, and he's trying to figure things out. Um, but you just look at the pieces on that New Orleans team. Certainly, there are a lot of a lot of good things there that they are trying to put together. We've been talking a lot about Tyrese Halliburton. Another great game last night. Pacers go into Philadelphia. Beat the 76ers 132 to 126. If that guy's not an all-star, then I don't understand what an all-star should be. Halliburton had 33 points, 15 assists, seven rebounds. He hit seven of 12 from three. He was a plus 19, and they offset another huge game from Joel Embiid, who went for 39, 12, and six. God forbid you say he's better than Ja. <laughs> Dude is. Q Q Jarvo's tweets. I, mean, I don't like. I don't <laughs> or know. Texts. Like, the dude's been one of the probably three or four best players in the league this year. Yeah, he's been absolutely outstanding. So again, the Grizzlies off until Saturday when they play at San Antonio. College football playoff rankings came out yesterday, and I don't think it was a big surprise that Georgia jumped Ohio State. They are now the new number one team in the country, the number one team in the polls, but now more importantly, number one in the college football rankings. Yeah, they're, I mean, again, with the top 10 win over Ole Miss um, in extremely convincing fashion, um, plus Missouri dismantling Tennessee, their two best wins these last two weeks are better than Ohio State's best wins. It was that Ohio State had the better wins. Now Georgia has the better wins, um, thanks to Missouri and um, Ole Miss. And um, you had to do it in the fashion they did against Ole Miss, uh, certainly no surprise whatsoever that they would move into that number one spot. Um, there is some weird there, there, there there's some weird things like down the pole that I don't like the Penn State thing is funny to me because Penn State's basically played two good teams. They lost to both of them. Mm-hmm. But yet they sit there at number 12. Yeah, I don't understand. And then you go, oh, well, but they do have a, a win over a ranked team. They got a win over number 16, Iowa. That's true, but I was only number sixteen because they haven't played anybody. <laughs> like they're they have no wins of the to speak of whatsoever. They just happen to play in that side of the Big Ten. They don't have to play anybody, so they've racked up some wins in ugly fashion, and so they get to hang around at number sixteen, which makes Penn State look like they've got a quality win. But like it's 
those teams aren't good. It's the residual effects of having two great teams in the conference that they assume that everybody else is pretty good. And it's a bad assumption. It's two incredibly well-put-together teams, a pretty decent team in Penn State, and then Iowa can play some defense. They can't outscore you. And everybody else is horrible. It's it's a horrible year in the Big Ten other than they're top-heavy. And that's fine because maybe they'll get a national champion out of it. But you're right. I, I didn't understand that when I saw Penn State. Just too much love there because of, again, the effects of having Michigan and Ohio State. By the way, Ohio State is two, Michigan three, Florida State four. So your same top four, just in a different order. And then Washington on the outside looking in at number five. The, um, like, Iowa's best win, I guess, is. Mm. <laughs> Rutgers? Man. Wisconsin. They've beaten Utah State. I guess Iowa State would probably be their best win. I don't yeah, know. I think it would be Iowa They've State. They've beaten Utah State, Iowa State, Western Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue, Wisconsin, Northwestern, and Rutgers. Lost to Minnesota, got killed by Penn State. And that's your number 16 team. It seems like as the weeks go by and once they start putting together the rankings for the college football playoff, the later they get, the more they are reluctant to to drop teams out. They just kind of shuffle them down. You have teams that probably won't drop out. Tennessee, now at 7-3, and are 18th. Are they going to drop out once they lose to Georgia? I I don't know. Tennessee has done nothing to be worthy of the 18th spot in the ranking. Their best win is, I guess, Kentucky with a loss to Florida, blowout losses to Alabama and Missouri. Like, what makes them a top 20 D based? If you're so sold on resume, what makes Tennessee a top 20 team based on their resume? Again, they're in a big conference. They were there at the beginning. They're reluctant to drop them out. If you look at the rankings that came out last night, there is only one school that's outside a Power 5 conference other than Notre Dame, which is an independent. Notre Dame has three losses, and that's Tulane, barely in there at 24. They are also reluctant to put a James Madison in there, reluctant to put an undefeated Liberty well, in there. James Madison's not even eligible. Oh, that's right. They're not eligible. But I don't even know if they'd put them in if they were. Maybe they would. But Liberty is undefeated, and they're not going to throw them in there because of the schedule they played. But we just talked about some of the teams that Iowa's played. That Big Ten is bad other than Ohio State and Michigan. But again, it's not going to be a factor as far as the playoff is concerned, but it could be a factor as far as the New Year's Six games are concerned. Uh, by the way, it is Oregon right behind Washington, just like last week, then Texas, then Alabama. But Missouri moves into the ninth spot. Missouri is number nine. We talked about going into this season, maybe Eli Drinkwitz would be in trouble. Louisville is 10. I still don't think they're that good, but they're number 10. They only have the one loss. Ole Miss is 13th, despite the blowout loss at Georgia. LSU's 15th. We mentioned Tennessee's 18th. And Tulane for the American is 24th. But, wow, Mizzou, 9th. The interesting part, though, is, again, if one of those teams loses, and we know Ohio State or Michigan, one of the two will lose because they play each other. And then, subsequently, if Washington keeps winning, they jump into that spot. And then 
you're going to have Georgia, the Big Ten winner, Florida State, and Washington or Oregon. And again, more than likely, they have a collision course uh, coming up where they will meet again in the Pac-12 championship. But waiting in the wings, Texas, Alabama. Again, ba- Alabama's blemish is that they lost to Texas. So they continue to be right behind Texas, although Bama right now playing as well as anybody. Yeah, and if Alabama were to win the SEC championship game, that's what it could get interesting with what happens to Georgia, especially if you end up with undefeated Florida State. Say you ended up with an undefeated Florida State, undefeated Washington, undefeated uh, Big Ten champion, Mm-hmm. And then Alabama wins the SEC championship game. How do they right. sort that out? Would be an interesting uh, decision. I'm rooting for it. I want chaos. So right now, you would say, Eli, here we are on November 15th, that the only teams still in the race for a playoff spot are the top eight. Correct? Uh, Certainly not going to be Mizzou. Yeah, I would... I. Right? Bama, Texas, Oregon, Washington, Florida State, Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia. Going from 8 to 1. Yeah. There's nobody else on the outside. So there you go. There we're, There's where we stand after last night's latest college football playoff rankings. We're going to talk some college hoops a little bit later on in the hour. But when we come back, we're going to, join, we're going to be joined by Richard Mulroney. He's the head coach of the University of Memphis men's soccer team. And they have made the NCAA tournament for a second straight year. They will play tomorrow. They will host a nationally ranked team from SIUE, which happens to be Eli Savoy's alma mater. We'll talk to Richard about that. I want to tell you folks about Corky's... The former PA announcer for the SIUE soccer team. Are you serious? I didn't think you had had anything to do with soccer. My ties go very deep with that SIUE soccer team. Now, that's I can tell something. you absolutely zero about the current team. Well, I can tell you they're undefeated. They are 16-0-3, and they're the nationally ranked team, but they're playing at Memphis. But we'll talk more to Richard or with Richard about that. How about that? Eli Savoy, Mr. Soccer, the PA announcer for SIUE. Corky's Ribs and Barbecue is a great option if you're going to the soccer game. You want to bring some food along, do a little tailgating or football this weekend. Friday night high school football playoffs. The Tigers game on Saturday as they host SMU. Bring along Corky's Ribs and Barbecue. You'll thank me. Now, if you just want to head there on, on over there for lunch or for dinner, yeah, that's an option every single day. They're open seven days a week. Poplar Avenue in Memphis, Poplar Avenue in Collierville. They're out in Cordova, Germantown Parkway, and Goodman Road in Olive Branch. They've also specialized in catering ever since they got into the barbecue business 40 years ago. So you have an event coming up, you want to cater, just call Corky's. They'll start you out as low as $8.99 per person. Check out their lunch specials every single day. Party pack started just $7.49. The Q, the ribs, the barbecue nachos, the wings are terrific. Cheese and sausage plates. And then if you want to go outside the barbecue family, the tamales, the burgers, amazing desserts, all kinds of great options and combination meals as well at Corky's Ribs and Barbecue. Pick up a Corky's gift card while you're there. It's a great stocking stuffer for Christmas. Reserve your private party room today at either the Cordova or the Olive Branch locations. For lunch, for dinner, anytime is a good time for Corky's Ribs and Barbecue. But for lunch and dinner, 7 days a week. You're tuned in to Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. 
Be sure to follow us at Sports56WHBQ on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to watch live video of our shows, stay up to date with station events, and have chances to win prizes. Don't miss out on anything that's going on. Follow us at Sports56WHBQ. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Here once again are Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everyone. 7.30 the time, hour number one of the program. Busy, busy show. A lot of great guests lined up for you, and that includes our next guest, our first guest of the day. It's Richard Mulroney. He's the head coach of the University of Memphis men's soccer team. Now, what's interesting is we have our five favorite things topic today. Five favorite college or pro athletes born in Memphis or the metropolitan Memphis area. Richard Mulroney may be on some lists. For those who don't know, this guy was a dynamic soccer player out of Memphis who went to Creighton, was an NCAA All-American, was the third overall pick in the 1999 MLS draft. He played uh, professionally in the MLS for years. He played for the U.S. national team as well. And unbelievably, he's been the head coach now since 2000. When I saw this, since 2014, it blew my mind. And what a job he's doing with the University of Memphis men's soccer team. Without further ado, the head coach, Richard Mulroney, joins us now. You can follow him on Twitter at RP Mulrooney. Coach, I can't believe it. When I looked that up, I saw 2014. It's amazing how time flies. I hope you're doing well. Greg, I'm doing great. First off, I appreciate you having me on. And uh, man, it sort of makes me feel old saying all that stuff. But in saying that, I've enjoyed every minute of it. It's crazy to think I've been at the University of Memphis that long. But things go, when things are going well, it goes fast, you know. And uh, it's crazy to think it's been 10 years, but at the same time, I'm hoping that I'm, I'm there for another 20 or 30, to be honest with you. Second straight year in the NCAA tournament. You got your taste last year. How does this year's team compare to last year's? Very similar. Obviously, you add experience to that. You know, we played St. Louis last year, lost in overtime, and then I had a lot of guys returning from that. So it, it, it gave that taste of experience last year, knowing that, you know what, we're good enough to be in this tournament, and we can compete. And then this year, obviously, getting a home game with that, it's a good feeling, but we've got a tough test in SIUE, that's for sure. What uh, Kind of tell us a little bit about this year's team, uh, what kind of team and what kind of season it's been. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's an all-around team. You know, like I said, we don't rely just on offense. They're not just a defensive team. I mean, it, it's an all-around. You know, we've got guys that can score goals. We have a midfield that can play both sides of the ball and defensively we're sound. You know, and, you know, I think the most important thing, too, is the culture of the team's great. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a team that, like, polices itself in the locker room. They do the right things. We haven't read, had really any issues off the field this year. They're focused on it, while at the same time, obviously, getting their schoolwork done. You know, I don't mm-hmm. have things on my, on my desk saying he's skipping class or this or that. So it's really a team that focuses on the field and gets the job done. And it's been a joy to coach them. And like I said, they, uh, they've, they've earned this opportunity. You know, it's nothing from what, what my coaching staff has done. They've gone out and competed and, and found ways to get results against really good teams and got rewarded with an NCAA bid this year. Every sport with the coach, they have their, their game plan, their strategy. They look at the opponent. They figure it out, and they go ahead and they deal with their players, and they learn what they want to run, and they go out there and they try to run that to the best of their ability. It seems like in soccer that it could change as the game is played 
by what's happening in the game. You don't see that often in football. They're not going to change the way they play. If they're a hurry-up offense, they're going to play fast. They're never going to slow down, maybe in the final moments, to run out the clock. But in soccer, depending on what happens, Richard, does it change a little bit of what you want to do? For example, if you get a, a couple of goal lead, do you pull back? How does that work in your in-game strategy? Yeah, no, the tactics, tactics can change during the game for sure. Obviously, we have a game plan going into it, but let's just say, on best-case scenario, we go up two goals. Well, the other team knows that whether well, you lose by three, two, whatever it is, you might as well push numbers forward. So if they end up going with three or four forwards, you know, just knowing that you know, it's a high-risk, high-reward, I've got to put my team in a situation where we can defend that. Now, on the flip side of that is you know, knowing that they're pushing numbers up, I've got to make sure I've got guys on the other end that on the counterattack can punish them for that. And then on the opposite side, if we go down, nothing to lose. You know, like I said, if we're down by one and they score another one, so be it at the end of the game, losing. So you obviously want to push numbers up. So it works both ways. But, yes, there's, there's that chess match during the game that happens. And that's not to say if they score 0-0 and just my team isn't creating, we're, you know, we're sort of stuck in our defensive end, mm-hmm. you know, adding another forward up top or a midfielder to help break that pressure. You've got to notice those things, and my staff and, and myself, I think we do a pretty good job of in, in-game adjustments with that. You, uh, your, your leading goal scorer, I'm not going to try and say the name because I'm sure I'm going to butcher it in some way, so I'm just going to leave it at that. I'll let you say the name, but but tell us about him because, boy, it had an incredible year. Yeah, no, Lineker up top's been great. He has been. I mean, you look at all the teams in it, they usually have a player up top that's been able to finish some opportunities, and you know he's done that for us. I think he leads the country in, in game-winning goals. But at the same time, he, he's that ultimate teammate. You know, the guys respect him. He's not cocky with that. He enjoys being out there. He sets the example. He's one of our two co-captains. So, you know, he, while he's a great soccer player, he's an even better person. And I think that goes far in the locker room. You know, everybody's equal on this team. As I told the guys, when we win, we win as a team. When we lose, we lose as a team. And he's no different than that. And he'll be the first to raise his hand and say, you know what, I've got to do better. Or, you know, when he scores the goals, he'll be the first to come celebrate with the guys. On, on the on the sideline. So we're fortunate to have him up top. And like I said, he scored some, some really good goals. And that's not to say, too, he's added some assists. And he breaks pressure for us. So, he, again, he's he's a joy to have on the team. He's a great mixture with the, with the guys on the field. But, you know, for us, he's just one of the one of the 28 guys, and he would have it no different. Did you expect to host a game in the tournament? I, we knew there was a possibility. Obviously, there's sort of a, in a calculation, the RPI, and it sort of showed that, yeah, you know, we're starting to, move up there and we could hold our own. Um, was I surprised? Maybe a little bit, but at the same time, I'm not, I'm not blown away by it because I think our, our work of, uh, you know, or our schedule, um, it rewarded us. Yes. You know, we, we mm-hmm. played a bunch of top 25 teams, got a win at Missouri State, the top 10 team, you know, lost a couple other top 25 games that were tight. But at the end of the day, I think we got rewarded for our, our work. And, uh, you know, we're happy to be hosting and looking forward to uh, having SIUV here. Looking just up and down your roster, um, You've got Brazil, Spain, Australia, Denmark. Uh, you'd, what? What? How? What's it like recruiting? Because obviously in soccer there is a lot of international players that you're looking for. Now some are maybe playing high school ball over here or whatever. But what is it like recruiting when you're literally trying to, I guess, scour the world for players? Yeah, it's a challenge, and you know, obviously we're not the only only school that has the international. So people are going after different kids in different spots, but you just, uh, you sort of learn what your, your pipeline is. You know, we've got a couple uh, kids from Cyprus, as you mentioned, we've got, you know, a kid from uh, Australia. Um, you just learn, you, you meet contacts and you, you, you build a relationship with them, 
sort of learn what type of players that they have in their program and what level it is. And you sort of go with it, you know. And while we've hit on some, we've missed on others. But at the same time, I think we've done a good job of learning, you know what, this pipeline from this place produces these types of players. This is what we're looking for. And that's what we go for. So it's a process. But at the same time, it's, you know, we've also got, if I'm not mistaken, two kids from uh, here in Memphis, you know. So it's, you know, whether or not you're in our backyard or you're out from California, I think we have one from Panama City or we have one from, you know, all, like I said, Australia. You know, we, we, we do a good job of trying to find what's the best fit here. But at the same time, it's a process and you don't want to miss or else you obviously don't get to where we're at right now. Yeah, your mention of the Memphis kids leads me to this question. You came up through this system. My son played in the system here. A lot of kids' sons and daughters have played in the system. Um, what do you think about the talent in Memphis that's being produced with so many soccer players? Yeah, no, I, it, it, it's every year there's a few more kids on my desk of having to make decisions of, you know what, that's a good fit for here, or maybe they need to go junior college, or you know what, maybe somebody else grabs them from me before I'm able to get them here. So. I'm very happy with what Memphis is producing here. I think the club system's done a good job. Um, but at the end of the day, as I, I'll, I'll always tell parents, do what's best for your child. You know, mm-hmm. some, some kids send them away to MLS academies, which if that's what's the best fit for them, awesome. There's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, if you feel as though your kid's not being seen or whatever, talk to your club coach. Talk to your club. Figure out you know what tournaments you need to be at and uh, so your kids can be seen. But at the end of the day, do what's best for your family with that because I, I truly believe that you can prosper here. I think, you know, I'm not the only example of that. And uh, there's still kids each and every year that have those opportunities. So I'm, I'm happy with the pipeline that we've got going here. And I think it's, uh, it's, it's helping us and not only us, there's other colleges around the country that are, are getting these, these kids as well. SIUE is my alma mater. Uh, they have traditionally... We won't uh, hold it against they, them, Richard. They, 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 have, they have traditionally <laughs> no. had a good men's soccer program, but what's the, the scouting report on this year's team? Just, I mean, first off, you know, I, I knew about the year that they were having. You know, we, we get drawn with them the other day, and it's just like, all right, you know, let's watch some video. Let's see what games that they lost. Well, they haven't <laughs> lost. You know, they're, un, they're unbeaten. So first thing for me is the culture that they've got is a, is a strong mentality that, you know, it's a never-say-die attitude, that they've got quality because I don't care if you're playing literally baseball, college soccer, college football, pro, whatever it is, if you're unbeaten, you've got a squad on your hand. And it's not just a team that can attack and defend. It, it, it's a strong squad that Coach uh, Kale's put together. So we've got to figure out a way to, to, to break them down. They're just they're solid overall. I mean, it, it's going to be a really good matchup. I feel like it's very similar to our team that they, uh, you know, all around, there's no weaknesses on the field. They find ways to score goals. And they're just tough to play against. After watching video on them, you know, they're not scared to get in tackles. As we mentioned with tactics, they know exactly how they want to play, and they can break you down in that way. Um, it's just, yeah, and I guess the resiliency as well. You know, in that they've had games this year that they've been down and have tied it up late or, you know, have found ways to, to, to grind out wins, win their conference tournament when they've got the X on their back. They've got a, they've got a culture right now that uh, their confidence is high, and it should be. When you don't lose, it, it's, you know, you're, 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 you're flying high with that. But at the same time, we've got to make sure that we, we go out, compete with them on every ball, and know that, you know what, we're a pretty good team, too, and, uh, you know, we're on our home ground, but we respect what SIUE's done and need to make sure we show up on Thursday night and, uh, and compete with them. 7 o'clock, as Coach said, Thursday night, so tomorrow night over at South Campus at the soccer complex. The women playing there in the NCAA tournament in their opener beat LSU and had a record crowd. Hopefully that will be the case again tomorrow night for you guys, Coach, because obviously uh, the, the team plays off of that uh, that home advantage. 
Absolutely. You know, the guys have earned this opportunity to have more and more people come out and watch them. It's, they're a joy to watch. Like I said, it's, I just sit back. I sort of, you know, it's not like I'm pulling strings. I set up an 11, make some changes during the game, but at the end of the day, I sit back and enjoy watching them too about the style that we're playing, and I think people would really come out and enjoy what they see with this. They have a team, we're a team that fights, we can score. When I say fights, obviously in the right way. <laughs> but at the, at the end of the day, it's not a, not a boring style by any means. And the way SIUE plays, it's probably going to be a nice back-and-forth game that I think people would enjoy their, their Thursday night at 7 o'clock watching us play, uh, uh, play an NCAA game. Well, first of all, congratulations on the great regular season, the run into the NCAA tournament. I want to wish you nothing but the best. I want to thank you for joining us. Thanks, Greg. I really appreciate the time on this. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I'm, I'm got to ask you first, who, who are you cheering for? This is your alum that you're talking about. <laughs> I, you got Memphis or us well, on Thursday. You know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be neutral. I'm going to be neutral on this one. I, I'm, Fair I'm, enough. You can be Switzerland. He's going okay Switzerland. I'm, I'm an adopted Memphian now, so I just, it's, it's, it's a tough one. It's a tough one, tough call for me to make. Did you, by the way, in your in your international career, did you ever did you ever go up against Switzerland? No, I never played against them. They had a player that came over to the MLS that we played against or whatever. But uh, no, never got to go to Switzerland, and I would have probably tried to ski the the Alps at the time, and that would have been a no no. So it's probably best I never went over there in, in the first place because I probably would have tried to do a little skiing on the side. Yeah, I brought that up wondering if the Swiss are like they're neutral even playing in the game. It's like, yeah, you know, we if we don't win, that's fine. As long as it's a tie, everybody wins. He is Richard Mulroney. He's the head coach of the University of Memphis men's soccer team. You can follow him on Twitter at RP Mulroney. Coach, thanks again. Best of luck to you. Thanks, Greg. I appreciate it. Take care. The Swiss. You're going neutral. You're not going neutral. Well I let's be honest, I don't I don't know. I, I couldn't. Uh, he just said the coach's name. I don't. I, I couldn't tell you one thing about SIUE soccer program. It's not the same coach when I was there. Ed Hunnicky is no longer the coach. Well, at least you knew the old coach. I was the PA announcer for the team. I, I know. Every game. That's pretty. <laughs> I am shocked that you did that. But anyway, I was the PA announcer for men's and women's soccer. Oh, they paid you? Did you say paid announcer or PA announcer? PA announcer. Did they pay you, or was that a school thing? No, they paid me for like that. You get, I didn't know if you get I like, was not credits. doing that for free. I didn't know if you got credits or something. <laughs> no, I was, I was... Yes, I got credit. They were dollar signs. <laughs> <laughs> That's beer money. I was not... That's good beer money I, right I, there. I wasn't sitting out there for soccer matches for free. That's for darn sure. <laughs> and wake me up and announce a corner kick once in a while. That's all I had to do. I mean, you don't have to worry about goals. There was very few of those. So it was... It just was... It is what it was. I was announcing track and field. I was doing everything out there. Oh, my gosh. Old, at old Ralph Cordy Stadium there on the campus of... Beautiful campus of... SIU Edwards. I remember for the campus radio station when they, they they assigned me to go cover track and field. I said, I'm not doing that. I, I don't know why. I mean, I'm just a punk kid in a fraternity, you know, trying to get into the broadcasting and I'm turning down assignments. PA announcing for a track meet, and I did uh, um, some big, huge ones because we had a very nice track. We They hosted Olympic trials, things like that. Oh, wow. PA announcing for track. Is the most ridiculous thing in history. Like, there's 30 things going on. Yeah, you have no idea. You just got to have somebody there telling you, 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 talk about that thing over there. Like, what's going on? I don't know what hell's happening over there. But now that that is crazy. But soccer much easier. Just sit there and wait for the four times a game you got to speak. Have Uh, a sandwich. (laughs) Yeah.
lots of sandwiches. Just trying. The only goal there, stay awake. This hour of the program is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware, located at the corner of White Station and Quint. Go by and see them uh, for the Big Green Egg and all the Big Green Egg accessories as well. I'm telling you that Thanksgiving turkey, that's something special off that Big Green Egg. And you've still got time to go over to the East Coast Ace or East Memphis Ace Hardware and get that Big Green Egg and all of the different sizes. They've got it for you. They're a platinum dealer, plus all of the other accessories, as I mentioned, all the supplies, all of that stuff. You can get it to where I've got my big green egg. Mine comes, you can get it in a table. You can get it by yourself, all of those things. Plus, of course, so much more for all those DIY projects, picking up those leaves, all the blowers, rakes, everything else that you need for picking up leaves. They've got that for you this time of year. Wonderful selection of paint and everything you need that you'll find, plus a great staff to help you find it at East Memphis Ace Hardware. That's the corner of White Station and Quince. All right, got some college hoops to talk about from last night. Also some college football news. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. We are Real Sports Talk. Sports 56 WHBQ. Available on your radio dial at 560 AM and 98.5 FM, as well as around the world online at sports56whbq.com. Take us with you everywhere by downloading the Sports 56 app. And at home, just say, Alexa, play Sports 56. Wherever you are, stay tuned in to Real Sports Talk. Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Here once again are Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Congratulations to Memphis Tigers offensive coordinator Tim Cramsey. Named one of 57 nominees for the 2023 Broyles Award, which honors the best assistant coach in college football. The Tigers have scored 20-plus points in 24 consecutive games, which is the longest streak in the nation. I know you knew that, but I don't know how many people uh, know that. Also, there's a report out there, and I'm not sure how uh, legitimate it is, but it comes from a legitimate source, that UCLA is likely to fire head coach Chip Kelly after the USC game. If, yep. if they're already ready to fire the guy, just <laughs> fire him now. I mean, you see already what's going on with teams that are dumping their coaches early because of the situation we're in with the transfer portal. Is that, by the way, does that make, I guess maybe this time of year you can't announce it that way, but does that make him part of the Broyles Award watch list? What did I say? You say he's a nominee. But this is oh 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 this I, isn't watch list season, so I don't know if you can no you, no 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 you can't, was, call it, can't call it a watch list. No, we already had the watch list season. Now it's actually does the Broyles Award nominees. do a watch list before the year? I don't know. If the I think so. Well, I, maybe they don't. Maybe I they don't, don't. Know. I don't know. Maybe they just choose to let everybody watch everybody. No, you're right. I mean, I hear what you're saying. You, maybe this is an extension of the the watch list season all the way to now. I'm not sure if they had a watch list and now cut it down. It's still 57, but that includes offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, probably. All coaches that are not head coaches because it's best assistant. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be just a coordinator. But congrats to uh, to Tim on that. Uh, from the NFL, the Bills have fired offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey after the Bills meltdown. Although they lose the game because their defense gives up a big pass interference play, right? They give up the drive and then the special teams 
unit throws 12 guys out on the field, but Ken Dorsey's the one who gets fired. Joe Brady, yes, Joe Brady, the LSU guy who didn't work out at Carolina, he takes over the play-calling duties for the Bills. Yeah, I mean, this was somebody they needed to, to do something to satisfy the fans. But, I mean, the offense is like the fourth-ranked offense in the NFL. Like, the offense has not been the issue. The turnovers have been the issue. Pretty sure Ken Dorsey did not is not throwing the interceptions or fumbling mm-hmm. the ball. Um, but in these cases, um, somebody has to go. And so he becomes the fall guy for that uh, for the whole situation. Yes, the old uh, sacrificial lamb. Yeah, I can't imagine Ken in the game plan. Uh, Josh, we needed to turn it over three times. Uh, last night, college basketball, the Dukies beat Michigan State 74-65. And so that means Michigan State is off to a 1-2 and two start. Meanwhile, it was Kansas over Kentucky. Number one, Kansas beating the number 17 Wildcats 89-84. Yeah, and uh, you got to see a flash of what Kansas is capable of. Hunter Dickinson, 27 points, 21 rebounds. Kevin McCuller, a triple-double. Um, they were down, what, 14, I think, in the second half. Came back to win that game. But Were they really? I didn't know that. Dickinson is a load, and then you throw in McCuller and then all the other talent there. That is a... That is a really, really good Kansas team. There's a reason they are number one. I'm sick of Kansas. Well, don't go there. I won't. I've You're never, not in Kansas I've never, anymore. I've never been. Have I been to Kansas? I've been to Kansas City, Missouri, which is right on the border. Right? Is that on the border? Right? Mm-hmm. Kansas City, Kansas, Kansas City, Missouri. But have I? did I ever go across the border? Trying to, no, wait a minute. I've been to Kansas. I did a game in Manhattan, Kansas. I did a game at Kansas State. So, yes, I have been to Kansas. Some states I still haven't been to, including Colorado. I've never been to Iowa, and I've never been to Nebraska, but I have been to Kansas. Well, if you've been to Kansas, you've been to Iowa. (laughs) Elsewhere in college basketball last night. You've also been to Nebraska. 13th-ranked Texas A&M, which will be on the Memphis Tigers schedule, or is on the Memphis Tigers schedule, Um, and SMU is as well. Texas A&M beat SMU 79-66. to Florida Atlantic. The other team in the American Conference that people are keeping an eye on, Final Four team last year, drills Eastern Michigan 100-57. Mississippi State a winner last night over Northern Alabama 81-54. Seventh-ranked Tennessee over Wofford 82-61. And we mentioned Ole Miss slipped by Detroit Mercy, a game you went to 70-69. Yeah, Ole Miss... um... There, it's it's interesting. They, last night, Jamarian Sharp at the end of the game, the pretty much most of the second half, they took him out of the game. And Chris Beard afterwards talking about the fact that what teams are doing is in, in this current world of basketball, worth five out and guys who you know five men who shoot the three, mm-hmm. they're trying to get Sharp more capable of defending outside the lane. He's a great shot blocker in the lane. Like you come down, I mean, he's back there. It pretty much gets rejected, um, but. Detroit Mercy had a guy who just got three point line and Sharp struggles outside lane. So they they basically they he didn't play much in the second half because they just can't have him out there when these teams are stretching the floor on them. So um, then that leads to problems rebounding the basketball, which they've been out rebounded and I think I'm not sure if every game, but they've had real real trouble rebounding. They only shot six free throws in the entire game last night, which is incredible to think you'd only shoot six free throws in a game. But um, they they were able to they were able to hold on, but they really need to get. Cisse? Well, they need Cisse, but they need Brandon Murray. Brandon Murray is the one they're still mm-hmm. waiting on as well. They're waiting on both of those guys 
on waiver requests. What does Beard think? The NCAA. I don't. I have. I don't know. I didn't ask him about that. I don't. I don't know where they stand with those. They're just waiting for the NCAA to give them word on both of those guys. But um, but they certainly could use Murray, and they, they could use Cisse as well. But even with Cisse, then they got to figure out him and Sharp. And again, if teams are stretching you out, what are you able to do with those two guys in, in, in that situation? Ian Rappaport's reporting that Deshaun Watson suffered a season-ending shoulder injury in the first quarter against the Ravens and is heading to injured reserve. <clears throat> it's a displaced fracture in his right, uh, whatever, in his shoulder, gl- glenoid, and he'll have surgery to repair it. Full recovery is expected. So that guy played through the shoulder injury, which was broken, and an ankle injury in the win for the Browns over the Ravens. So P.J. Walker now the starting quarterback for Cleveland. Cleveland, a much-improved team, especially on the defensive side. But Deshaun Watson is done for the year. Been an interesting run there in Cleveland for old Deshaun and the massive contract that he got. So as the shoulder is taken care of after the operation, do you get massages on the shoulder or do you stay away from that in the recovery, rehabilitation? Any I, I, I massages? Know, if I know Deshaun, he's going to get massages. <laughs> I'm sure he will. All right, when we come back, Hour 2 of the program, we're talking Memphis Tigers basketball. We'll be joined by assistant coach Andy Borman, our weekly Tigers basketball guest, and Jerry Palm will join us. we got some Major League Baseball awards news. It is awards season, so we have the latest as far as that's concerned. It's all coming up in Hour 2. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. 